Unless you are an aficionado of Jewish law, the name Prima Godim will mean very little. Nonetheless, it happens to be the title of a very important work authored by, uh, by Joseph Toomim, an 18th century rabbi from Lemberg, then a market town on the eastern limits of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Now it's in Lviv. It's called Lviv. It's in western Ukraine. Rabbi Tomim came from an extremely distinguished rabbinic family and was a great rabbinic scholar in his own right, although he struggled to make a living as a rabbi. That all changed when he began to publish what would soon become one of the most influential works of Jewish law ever written. The Prima Godim primarily focuses on explaining and unpacking two earlier commentaries on the definitive halachic code, that's the Shulchan Aruch, namely Turei Zahav, the Taz, and Siftei Kohen, the Shach, adding omitted information and offering insights into the background and legal principles underpinning their views. Rabbi Tomim thoroughly annotated these works and in general offered a well-researched backdrop to the Jewish laws that they covered, so much so that his work became a mandatory study aid for anyone seeking formal ordination as a rabbi and any position of rabbinic authority. All of this is by way of introduction to Rabbi Tomim's fascinating halachic opinion regarding the supremacy of rabbinic law in Judaism, an opinion he illustrated via an obscure discussion about a sukkah. According to the Prima Gadim, if the rabbis who established halachic guidelines mandated the performance of a Torah mitzvah in a particular way, telling us exactly how it should be performed, then the failure to meet those rabbinic requirements would totally negate the observance of the mitzvah, as if it was never performed, even if by Torah standards the mitzvah had actually been observed. For example, he says, according to rabbinic law, if a sukkah is so small that one is forced to eat off a table that remains outside the sukkah, one has not discharged one's sukkah obligation at all. And although this stringency was only introduced by the rabbis, while Torah law considers such a sukkah fully kosher, since by eating in this sukkah one has disregarded a rabbinic law, according to Rabbi Tomim, one has not even fulfilled one's Torah obligation. Puzzlingly, this prima godim seems to contradict at least one opinion in the Talmud. In Tractate Sukkah 23a, Rabbi Meir is recorded as having allowed a sukkah to be constructed on top of a live animal, while his perennial interlocutor, Rabbi Huda, does not. The Talmud explains that this dispute centers on the verse, which is in Devarim, chapter 16, Pasuk Yud Gimel, Chag hasukot ta'aselecha shivat yamim. You shall observe the festival of Sukkot for seven days. Namely, a sukkah must be available to use for the entire seven-day festival period. In Rabbi Huda's opinion, since one is not allowed to get onto an animal on Shabbat and festival days, a sukkah constructed on an animal's back is not just invalid for the festival days and intermediate Shabbat, Shabbat but for all seven days. But Rabbi Meir disagrees. In his view, the prohibition of climbing onto an animal is only a rabbinic prescription, and you cannot undo a Torah obligation on the basis of a rabbinic disqualification. On that basis, it would appear that according to Rabbi Yehuda, a rabbinic prohibition can negate the ability to observe a Torah law in accordance with the view of the Prima Godim, while Rabbi Meir's opinion is that it does not. And while the rabbis determine that in a halachic dispute between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Huda, the law goes according to Rabbi Huda, it is strange 
that the Prima Godim's halachic principle seemingly contradicts the senior Talmudic sage and he does not see fit to reconcile himself with Rabbi Meir's opinion. But actually, upon reflection, we can save the Prima Godim from the indignity of this glaring blunder. It is possible that the rabbinic insistence on having a table inside one sukkah is a specific requirement for a sukkah, and Rabbi Meir might very well make an exception to this leniency when one fails to uphold a rabbinic prescription that directly correlates to the observance of the law itself. Meanwhile, the prohibition of sitting on an animal on Yom Tov applies to all festivals, not just Sukkot, and has nothing whatsoever to do with the validity of a sukkah. Rabbi Meir would not accept dismissing a Torah-mandated mitzvah on the basis of a general rabbinic restriction unrelated to that specific mitzvah. And that is why he allows a sukkah to be used even if it is on an animal's back. And even though that sukkah may not be used on the first days of the Yom Tov or during Shabbat Cholamoid. What I love most about this debate and discussion, and particularly about the Prima Godim's assertive stance, is the reverence it demonstrates for rabbinic law, which has been the backbone of Jewish identity since the dawn of Jewish nationhood. Maimonides writes that the Torah itself established the centrality of rabbinic input into Jewish law with a verse also in Devarim, chapter 17, Pasuk Yud Aleph, you must not deviate from any word that they tell you, neither right nor left. It is a fact that all those Jews who have favored relying purely on scripture as the source for Jewish law, such as the Tzidukim, the Baisusim, the Karaites, they've long since evaporated as identifiable Jewish groups, having bound themselves up with an ossified and ultimately self-destructive form of Judaism that undermined any hope for their future. Only rabbinic Judaism, with its strong focus on a carefully managed evolutionary halachic system, has managed to sustain itself over millennia, bequeathing a living, breathing, dynamic Torah to each emerging generation, who have in turn handed it down to the next. And so, as we sit in our sukkah this year, with a table firmly inside it for us to eat off, we would do well to reflect on the remarkable ancient tradition that we have been lucky enough to be born into. Our identity as Jews only has meaning because of it.